0: This is Take a Second, a weekly Come, Follow Me podcast that focuses on finding the Savior in the Old Testament, and then how we might teach it in family or ward settings. I'm Brian Ricks, and Stuart Black is joining me to make sure that we stay on the rails. We are recording the podcast from the student lounge at the Pocatello Institute. So thanks for joining us for our lunchtime discussion of this week's Come, Follow Me Scripture Block. All right, well, I know it looks like we're up in the mountains, <laughs> but We wish don't we ever um, we had so following technical difficulties we're going to uh, this is going to be take two for this podcast and we thought that since the students were already gone we'd come upstairs and, and film this in front of one of the murals uh, in the remodeled Pocatello Institute um, maybe make us get us a little excited for the fall That's, I'm ready for a deer hunt already um, so this is our third week third and final week come follow me in the book of Psalms Uh, it always feels like and I I remember teaching seminary it always felt like you had all the time in the world in Genesis
1: yes Psalms in a day (laughs) kind of yeah kind
0: of sorta with some of the other books of Moses and then all of a sudden it was a huge race Mm -hmm. to get everything done Um, but uh, and it feels like that with "Come Follow Me." It feels like we're following the same thing. And I don't know how else you'd do it unless you did four years of the Old Testament. <laughs> um, but as you looked over Psalms uh, one hundred one to one hundred fifty, what any themes or any any main ideas that that grabs your attention?
1: Yeah, I, I think one of the one of the ones that really stuck out to me um, this last time is this idea of, of, of wrapping up all of the praise that God deserves for how good that He is um, in. Uh, uh, one of the things that that I learned and looked at studied this week is um, Anciently in the in the Hebrew text Psalms was divided up into five different parts and each one of these sections um, was a Different number of Psalms, but um, it all ended with something called a doxology, which is a formal uh, declaration of God's power and might and and basically your praise back to him and so um the whole book of Psalms, so Psalm 150, the very last Psalm, is one big doxology. It's not just one verse of them, there's, there's a bunch of them, and it's all about God's praise. And one of the things that, in Psalm 136, um, there's 26 verses in this Psalm, and every single one of the verses, so 26 times in this chapter, it ends with this phrase, for his mercy endureth forever. So in terms of a, of a big message that's overarching for me from this week's study of, of Come Follow Me is, is a lot of that, is that the Lord's mercy endures forever. And if I, was, if I was teaching this in a Sunday school setting or something like that, that would be one of the things I would focus on. And you might even ask just a quick little intro question, something like, what lasts forever? What types of things last forever? And, and that was something that some of the other Psalms have, have brought up, is that there's a lot of things in life that are temporary. And you have this idea where they present um, something that is just fleeting or short-sighted or it's a sorrow or a trial. And then on the other side of it, they're like, but God still reigns and God is good and he'll take care of you. And so one of those questions I would just ask is, um, why, why does the Savior's mercy endure forever? Of all the things in the entire universe, why is it that Christ's mercy always goes? Hmm, I
0: like that. As you look at 136 and uh i it's i guess i I had a little bit of advantage i went back yesterday after we recorded the whole thing (laughs) and found out take two (laughs) yeah i it's interesting section 136 all of those this his mercy endureth forever his mercy endureth forever it is it's a it's a recap of the history of israel Mm -hmm. look at all that God starting at like the beginning of history of 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 israel in this world and that's even before israel was the creation of the earth then it goes to the Red Sea, and, and then all that God has done for the house of Israel. Overthrowing the kings and yep. everything, yes. And, and each time, and it's, look at these historical, you hear the psalmist saying, look at the historical evidence that God's mercy reigns. Uh, it's, it re- reminds me of Nephi's use of the Red Sea in First Nephi chapter 4, when he's trying to prompt his brothers to have more faith in the Lord. They've, the angels come, has stopped the beating, but the angel can't make them believe. And so Nephi then takes the experience of Moses in the Red Sea and says, Look, this is this is this is what God can do for his people. If God can do this for Moses, he can do this for us. And it's this almost this, you know, Tony Robbins version <laughs> of, of Nephi there. But you can see the psalmist almost doing the same thing, prodding us to have faith in the mercy of Christ based on the historical evidence, look at what he's already done for our nation, whether it's slaying kings that our little country has no business slaying over, you know, as slaves overthrowing the Pharaoh and the most powerful army in the world, look at all of these times when God has brought the underdog, us, to the top. And,
1: and, and, it's, and why is it? It's because of his mercy. Yeah, and, and in, in that beginning, you talked about the creation and this flow I mean, uh, as it's talking about, he, he created the, the great lights, he created the sun, the moon, the stars. But even that first verse, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. And, and that's, that's the word from the creation, from Genesis 1. And God saw that it was good, and, which is like the, a huge understatement. of yeah. course. like the sun is good and the stars are good. And, uh, but give thanks unto God because it, he is good. His creations are good. His plan is good. His son is good. And because of that, his mercy will always endure because God is so good. So you
0: talked about how you know a way you might teach this with this context of section 136 and this history, and it's not the first time the psalmists have used the history of Israel to to give a reason for praising. Um, I spent a little bit of time in section in section I did this yesterday (laughs) uh, in Psalms 119, and uh, and this is one of those psalms that it's got the Hebrew alphabet in it. Uh, It's a it's an I always say it right, it's an acrostic. I think so. Is that right, yeah, and it's an acrostic so. pattern. Uh, meaning, and we do the same thing in English, we do the ABCs, and you put together a poem, or uh, a story, or a, even just a, an explanation, and uh, each line like starts with. Is kind of yeah, like yeah, and it starts with the ABCs. We, you know, an ABC poem, uh, the first line starts with an A, second line starts with a B, and so forth. And in the original Hebrew, these uh, this 119th Psalm is broken up into 22 sections There's 22 there's 22 Hebrew letters and so it's broken up into 22 sections and each sections eight verses long and each section began with the corresponding letter of the Hebrew alphabet and so Aleph, Bet, Gimel and so forth Uh, it, it as I've thought about the psalmist's encouragement over and over and over again to praise the Lord to give thanks to the Lord to worship the Lord to remember the Lord I thought if I was if I was teaching this either in you know a gospel but you could do this in a gospel doctrine setting you could do it you could do it in a small family setting even even with little kids you could do this Uh, but you could also do it in a small group Uh, if I'm if I'm a YSA group that's just getting together on Sunday afternoons this might be a a fun little activity to follow the psalmist's example and to create a list of reasons I'm grateful for the Lord and and to put it in the context of, of Psalm 136, have it be historical in an, in, an, in an ABC or an acrostic pattern. What are the things that the Lord has done for me personally, for my family, or for other people I know that I'm close to? And let's just start at A, B, C, D, and let's let's list the things that the Lord has done historically in my life that will draw, that, that will draw a, a deeper sense or more profound sense of, of gratitude. Um, it reminds me of of president Iring's gratitude journal you know when he mm-hmm. he, he starts writing recording the, the evidences of the lord's the lord being in his life and it it leads to and then he ends up making copies of it and giving it to his children kind of as a reminder that god has been in our life and uh and, and it seems like the more we recognize that gratitude and humility are almost more
1: of a natural byproduct of that of that remembering yeah and to connect that thought with that where we kind of started that if mercy part of forever is yesterday yep and part of part of forever is 10 years ago in our lives and so if we're considering god's mercy endureth forever and the lord's mercy endureth forever then look back and see the times in your life that god has been merciful Mm -hmm. and there is something that we're not living in the past but we are learning from those lessons in the past. We're applying them to the to what's happening now, and then we're trusting that God will always be merciful to me, yeah. because he, he understands and sees me who I who I am uh, right now. And that was um, I, I think back in Psalm one hundred three, um, you brought up some great points, and I, I'd love it if you just maybe chime in on a couple of these from yesterday as well. That in Psalm one hundred three about uh, that relationship between a father and a son, how that mm-hmm. relates to mercy and. And our lives how the Lord treats us so verse 13 and 14 of, of the hundred and third
0: psalm it, it starts with I, I, I go back to our conversation last week about Psalm 51 and the pleading of David's heart I that that moment when he's been able to deny it deny it deny it deny it for so long and then he has that Nathan moment yeah yeah and now I have to acknowledge at that point you made last week and now, I, and now I'm settling with this. And now I have to live with this acknowledgement. Once I acknowledge it, now I'm uncomfortable with it. And, 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 he's, and this, this pleading for forgiveness. And now there's this explanation almost in 103 about why God is willing to forgive. I, I think way too many people end up in a position where they, don't, they can't comprehend a God that would forgive the things they've done. They see themselves, their identity is wrapped up in their sin or in their, in their mistakes, or, or in their shortcomings. Maybe it's not even sins or mistakes, it's just,
1: I'm not good at this, and now all of a sudden that becomes who I am. And, and our identity is, isn't, and, and that was one of the things President Nelson brought up to yeah. the, that, uh, that, uh, that uh, worldwide devotional mm-hmm. for the young adults back in May, is that of all the things that you are, You have to be these three. You have to be a child of God, a child of the covenant, and a disciple of Christ. It's not your sins that that define you. And you're right. So many people allow those things to say, "This is who I am, and this is who I've been." Therefore, there's no growth and no change, and they're stuck in this moment. And they they find themselves they they find themselves
0: asking, "How could God forgive me?" he never he and, and they convince themselves that they're beyond forgiveness and so verse 11 it says as high as the heaven is high above the earth so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. irrespective of what you've done that what you've done doesn't really even enter into the conversation about whether God can forgive you or not it's be, be and the reason because his mercy is higher than the you know higher than the heaven is from the earth that's how that's how far that's how uh, far above us, his mercy, mercy extends. And then I love verse twelve: as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. This idea that you know you can't there's no there, you can't get two things farther apart
1: than east and west. And then there's verse thirteen and, and fourteen. That's you and your transgression. Yeah. That's the beautiful beautiful part of that mercy is you and your transgression could not be further apart because of his mercy. Yeah. And and, and I, I guess as we think about
0: transgression those are often things that I've willingly done when it comes to things that I haven't willingly done think about some of the, the things that are just a part of mortality that people associate with their identity whether it's anxiety or depression or or something else that's just a part of you know, this mortal experience if God can do that with the transgressions and the things I've chosen to do think about what's going to happen with the resurrection when he perfects this broken body and so I, I, I that that's even farther than east yes. and west, right? That we aren't those things; those those attributes aren't who we are. And then verse thirteen explains why: like a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear Him, and 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 for He knoweth our frame; He remembereth that we are dust. And I mentioned yesterday my wife and I were in this conversation about when when we're struggling with individuals with personality conflicts, if I don't know that person, it's really easy for me to to get short with them. And uh, I, living in Utah, I used to get really frustrated with people that were, the way they'd drive down (laughs) I-15. I'm probably the only one that's ever experienced that on I-15 in Utah. Uh, But and I remember, I don't even remember who came. We were at a fire set somewhere and somebody gave it, taught us the principle of, you know, what stories are you telling yourself? And, and the fact that we are the we are the narrator, and we're in control of those stories that we tell ourselves about other people. And and so I started this little practice of when somebody would do something that I couldn't believe. I, and the one that jumps out to me, I remember being on, on Pioneer Crossing there in Saratoga Springs and trying to get home, and it's five o'clock, and it's backed up, and everybody Everyone else is trying to get home. Everybody's <laughs> trying to get home, and there's this guy who's getting into the turning lane and going to the front, and then just, and then he times it just right. So that when the light goes green, whoa, right in. And I remember, and I, I could feel myself just starting to just to get into that rant mode. Uh-huh.
1: And The window's about
0: to go down. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I remember this fireside that had only been a couple days earlier. And, and so I, I thought, you know, what, what would, what would cause me to drive like that? What if my wife had just called and said, hey, one of my kids is hurt. And all of a sudden I had patience for him. And I, listen, I have no idea what he was really doing. But, and, and that that was a make believe story. But what about when I come to know somebody? You know, let's say I have a I, I, there's a person that I know, who, they they legitimately have some, you know some kind of an adaptive need. They're on the, they're on the Aspergers uh, spectrum somewhere, and if I know that about them, it's so much easier to have patience with the different uh, outbursts or the different reactions that that individuals who Find themselves on that spectrum, portray or 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 or, um, or give in different situations. I remember I was a, I was teaching at Lehigh and uh, had a student who threw a pencil at me in the middle of class. Threw a pencil <laughs> he hit me right in the forehead, <laughs> and i remember being so mad and taking him out and and just tongue lashing. And then got a phone call from this young man's dad and. And it was so so interesting because first of all the dad was not mad at me the dad said I owe you an apology I should have told you my son has Asperger's man all of a sudden um, all of a sudden I saw that kid totally different all of a sudden I saw what he did throwing but it, it didn't offend me nearly as much and I just as you look at verse 14 he knoweth our frame he knows our imperfections he knows not only does he know what we do, but he understands why we do it. He, know, he remembereth that we are the dust. And so when it comes time to ask for forgiveness, there's, there's nothing he can't forgive us of.
1: And one of the reasons is because he knows perfectly. Exactly who we are. And, and with that, that uh, in, in verse 10 it says, He hath not dealt with us after our sins nor reward us according to our iniquities yeah. that that's not what he what he's giving us and and you know you mentioned a student that you didn't know a ton of their background i have a, a three-year-old son that uh we have two girls that their oldest or they're the older kids and and they're lovely and sweet and soft-spoken and they want to cuddle and our three-year-old brian just goes 100 miles an hour all day long and he just he just does things to do things and and at it times you feel like it could, yeah, be, it could the be the name man. brian brian i don't know name. what it is but he just, it's almost like it, if you don't remember that he's a three-year-old, it seems like this kid is picking on me. He's pushing all of the buttons because he knows exactly what's going to make me furious. And, and he had done something, and, I, and the details are lost to me now, but he had done something, and it was probably a series of things, and, and I was just kind of getting stern and getting after him a little bit. And, and he just looked at me and said, Dad, I'm just a little boy. And it was one of those moments that when a three-year-old says something that you're like, you have no idea the power of what you just said. And the humility that that's bringing back to me that I wanted, you know, I wanted to treat him like a 15-year-old or a 13-year-old, and he's he's I'm three, I'm just a little boy. What what do you expect? And and I love that how the Lord chooses to treat us, that He takes us where we're at, but He understands our potential. And the Lord has such a unique gift and ability to understand who we are, our frame that we're dust, but to still believe in our potential and he, he, he can take that balance of, of, of those two things and coach us and help us and not reward us according to our iniquities and, and instead spill over those banks of, of mercy that endure forever. And that idea of crowning then, uh, up in verse four, so this is still Psalm 103, in verse four, it says, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee, so he's talking about rewards, here's your, your crown, who crowneth thee with loving kindness, and tender mercies, that that's what the Lord does for us. Is that with loving kindness He crowns you with something that you might not deserve in the first place. Uh, in in October two thousand five, um, Elder Bednar um, uh, gave a talk about uh, tender mercies, and and he defined what those were. And and uh, part of part of what uh, he defined that and. This, that was one of the other things from Psalms that stuck out to me a bunch is the number of times it says tender mercies and uses that idea of mercy. But Elder Bednar said, um, uh, I think I said October, it was April. But the Lord's tender mercies are the very personal and individualized blessings, strength, protection, assurance, guidance, loving kindness, consolation, support, and spiritual gifts which we receive from and because of and through the Lord Jesus Christ. I testify that the tender mercies of the Lord are real and that they do not occur randomly or merely by coincidence. Often the Lord's timing of his tender mercies helps us both to discern and to acknowledge them. He understands where we're at. Um, here on the, the table, I, I brought a little object lesson. It's a, it's a belt buckle. And as, a, as a seminary teacher, I, I don't know if most seminary teachers have one of these drawers like I do. I would assume that they do. But I have a drawer of junk. It's just oh, leftover have, object lessons and I have one those types of things. And uh, my very first year teaching seminary, we were doing a little scavenger hunt, uh, scripture race thing. And somebody had to put a belt up on the podium. And this kid was trying to take the belt off, and he broke his belt in the middle of class and I felt bad and he was just, he was more frustrated than anything and I'm like, I'm sorry. And he's like, don't worry, I got another belt at home and he threw his belt away in the trash. And um, I don't know why, but I took uh, his belt and it had some screws on the back of the buckle and I undid them and I kept the, kept the buckle and I thought this might be an object lesson. And I kept it. I put it in this drawer, moved to Utah, taught, to U- taught in Utah for like uh, eight years. Uh, Move after to this. Utah. Moved the belt Move buckle the to, Utah. <laughs> to Utah. And uh Uh, About eight years after this had happened, uh, I'm I'm teaching this class and a young man comes in a few minutes late and he's in a suit and a tie um, and and he had told me he was trying out for the highest uh, choir at the high school. And it was pretty prestigious and pretty well known throughout the area for being a great choir and he was nervous about it. And as this young man came in, I could tell that that he had been kind of emotional during the morning. And so on his way out of class, I I just stopped him and and I said, is everything okay? Are you good? And he looked at me and he's like getting ready to tear up and cry again. And he said, I, I broke my belt. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, the, the actual belt broke. He said, my mom's at work and I don't have another belt. This is the only one I have. And, and I'm nervous about this. And it was kind of the, just a bunch of things coming together. And so I said, I actually have an extra buckle. <laughs> So we went over to my office and I pulled it out and, and uh, I said, let me see your belt. And I said, yeah, we'll just pull this part out and this part's got little screws. And um, I attached the old belt buckle from eight years previous to this and the whole time this young man is, is telling me, I can't believe you have a belt buckle. How did you get it? And I told him a little bit of that background and he's kind of like, his, the belt was fixed. He, did, he went off to his trial and, or to the tryouts and, and uh, he was okay. And he asked me, uh, either that day or the next day, I don't remember which, um, but he said, how come you have this belt buckle? And, and I told him, I, uh, uh, besides the story, I said, I have that belt buckle because God loves you. That the reason of these tender mercies that God gives to us is because he, he prompted me or encouraged me or just knew that I would, I don't know which one of those things, to keep something that he said, in eight years, a young man's really going to need it on an important day of his life. It's a choir in high school, in the big scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. But it matters to him, so it matters to me. And so when the Lord says, my, my mercy endures forever, I crown you with these tender mercies, God, God knows your past, He knows who you are now, and He knows exactly how to help us with that mercy in the future. I, it's, I listen to that story, and I think about the
0: choir director that would allow the fact that the young man didn't have a belt to influence whether he got the <laughs> choir or not. It would be easy for, for a guy. So you look over at verse at Psalm 104 and it starts, it, it, this is kind of like the list of accomplishments of God. <laughs> um, I've made the mountains, I covered the deep with water, I um, not only do I make the mountains but then I make the springs that water all the animals. Um, he causes the grass to grow for the cattle, the the herb, the herb, the herb to just annoy my wife.
1: The, Canadian, her, the that's herb the herb. Is that okay. how the Canadians Canadian say it, yeah. Uh
0: the her the herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth, the wine that maketh the glad the, glad the heart of man, the oil to make his face to shine, the bread strengthens our, the trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon. Uh, the birds make their nests over and over and over again. I make the I make the rocks that the goats hide in. And God said, "I've provided all of this stuff." Um, and 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 I provided the belt buckle on a day for a young man who, for whatever reason, in his head, that belt buckle that for most of us we could probably say it wouldn't have made a difference. But God knew that it would make a difference for him, and so He provides. Rocks for the goats, water for the animals, and belt buckles for,
1: for the other. teenagers. Yep. And and just maybe one final thought for me is Psalm 116, verse eight, um, connecting those things that, for thou hast delivered my soul from death, this is verse eight, mine eyes from tears and my feet from falling. That what we need in the moment, um, one of those I think is most important, our soul from death. Mm-hmm. But those other ones, the Lord says, I. I'll dry your tears. I'll, I'll keep you upright. To me, this sounds like the Lord is, is always with you. He's next to you. There's no other way to stop somebody's feet from falling than if He's holding on to us and coaching us along like a, like a father who walks along with a child. And He rewards us not for being a child, but from growing from this childlike state with the potential to be like Him because of His loving kindness and His tender mercies. He sees us who we can be. And he takes care of us with everything we need. And I, I, you know, my
0: last, I guess, parting shot would be just from that verse 8, the, the tense, you know, not you're going to deliver my soul. You have. It's past. And the amazing thing about this is, this is before the atonement. I love that about the Old Testament saints. Uh, Book of Mormon talks about this. We look forward to that redemption as though it's already happened. Uh, how much more confidence, are that, you know, those of us that are blessed to live in a dispensation following the atonement, when, when so much of what Jesus has done is, is past tense. We can look back and with certainty know that Christ lived, that He was born to to Mary and, and went into the garden and, and came out of the tomb. Uh, I I love the fact that it's past tense, and I think as we if I, as we teach this, if we can get whether that's, you know, ward members in a gospel doctrine class or even in a small group discussion, if we can get a focus to, to shift to what God has done already in our lives, it, it will, it will number one, I think it will invite the Spirit uh, as you, you know, heal him into his sons, remember, 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 remembering how the Lord has blessed us brings the Spirit, and then it also fills us with faith. Uh, you think about Elder... Elder Bednar, not long after the talk that you mentioned, he gave a, an evening with the General Authorities and talked about that helix of faith and how we build faith, and and so much of us having faith in the future is being able to look back to the evidences of God's mercy already, that we've already received in our lives, and, and so as we think about how the Lord has already delivered us, it will give us the strength to look forward to future deliverances, uh, whether it's you know, things as with hindsight as insignificant maybe as a bell buckle or things as serious as losing a companion or dealing with the loss of a job or whatever it might be to know that the Lord will always dry our tears. So, well, there's take two. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you, uh, see you next week. Praise to the Psalms.